You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Next Level, Part 3 of 3. Enjoy. Holy Spirit, we're so expectant this morning. You know the deepest parts of us. And you are so good. And it is your desire to strengthen and, and make whole and heal the deepest parts of us. The, the, the parts that have been hurt, maybe through wrong relationships, through things that didn't go the way they should have gone in our lives, the enemy's strategies to steal from us or kill or destroy. But you are the God who makes new and makes whole. And Father, you go all the way to the very center of us, and you make new and whole and strong. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for lifting us up, for bringing us forward, for exalting us this morning. And we give you glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. You've got to know, uh, and I'm sure there's all kinds of things being said about what's going on. But the majority of what we're dealing with with the coronavirus is fear and panic. The vast majority of it is fear and panic. And this won't be the last time that fear and panic uh, it knocks on uh, people's doors and asks if it can come in. So we want you to know God did not do this. This is not God's plan God is never behind sickness or disease. He's never behind tragedy. He doesn't cause it and he doesn't allow it. And I know that might hurt to hear that because so many uh, people have been told that through religious tradition. But we want you to know that it's the devil that comes to steal and to kill and destroy. That's the simple truth. How do I know Jesus told me so in the scriptures, right? In John chapter 10, 10, he gives us a very clear description of the nature of Satan and the nature of his father. If it has anything to do with stealing, killing, and destroying, it's not from our father, okay? If it has anything to do with life and life abundantly, it's from our father. So certainly this is not from our father. God is not in control of what's going on in the world. And I know that is hard to hear for a lot of religious minds, but please don't turn me off. Um, Please don't start watching the Three Stooges on YouTube. Stay with us. Uh, uncle Mark, did you hear that? Um, <laughs> we have an uncle that loves to watch Three Stooges on YouTube. But listen, it's time to know God as he is, not as man has painted him to be, all right? He's perfect love. Jesus said, if, you're, if your son asks for bread, will you give him a stone? If your child asks for, what's the next thing he says? Soup? What is it? Bread and what? I forget. Water? I don't know. We give him a snake in Matthew chapter 7, verses uh, 9, 10, and 11. He said, of course not. And though in you being, us just being people falling short of the glory of God, if we know how to give good things to our children, how much more will God give what is good to those who ask him? So if we know that doing something hurtful right? Giving something hurtful to a child is bad. Why would we ever preach and teach that God does those things? That makes no Jesus sense whatsoever, does it? Right? You need Jesus sense in your life, not religious sense. We're not religiously correct here. We're looking for Jesus 
We look to Jesus to, to define Christ, to define God's nature for us. Hallelujah. So it's important that you, that you know the nature of your father. And, but he, what's fun about that is even though God did not allow this and God did not cause this, we're going to flourish and we're going to take advantage of this opportunity. This is a time for us to shine. So in the midst of dark things, God has a way of working all things out for our good. He didn't want it to happen. It wasn't his will to happen. But he's so big, he can move in the midst of it and bless you greater than you've ever been blessed in your life. And I believe, and I hope you're listening, because this is not just for me. It's, it's for many of us listening. I believe that this is a time where the platform that God has been preparing for you is about to... Spring to lift you and launch you forward into your destiny. Right now, March twenty second. This is a time, boys. Just, just get, 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 get close. Stay close. Stay, stay woke to the Holy Spirit. Don't get caught up in the fear and panic of man. That's that's just spread around the world. What we're going to do, we're going to finish our series. This is part three of Next Level. We're going to finish it today. And I, I, I'm telling you, if you have to stand up and pinch yourself, if you have to get some cold water, whatever you have to do to stay awake and stay connected, we want you to go all the way through the service, okay? We want you to go all the way through the service, all the way. We're going to worship God with our tithes and offerings. It's going to be a powerful time. And I, I believe things are going to break during this offering time online. I believe there, there are debts that are going to break. That are, the, the, the supernatural things are going to happen in our financial life through this online service. So get your tithe, your offering ready electronically through our website or by texting. We'll give you more information on that later. But here we go. Are you ready? Uh, I, I'm reminded of the movie, one of my faves. I, don't, I haven't watched it in a long time, but it's an old movie. Uh, oh, who's, who plays Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz? What's her name? Judy Garland. Thank you. I'm reminded of that film as I was just preparing this week because you know in the movie The Wizard of Oz, the, the wizard is the one that everyone says you need to see to get your problems fixed. But the problem is everyone's afraid of him. And no one knows the truth about who he really is. And it turns out he's a fake, right? He hides behind a a curtain and he uses smoke and mirrors and and a PA system to make his voice sound intimidating. Why do I bring that up? Because in religious tradition, man's religion has painted a picture of God that he's not someone you want to ask a lot of questions to. That you have to be afraid and very careful when you come to him. And, and you better be careful because if you ask one too many questions, pow. Okay. And they've painted this picture of God that is foreboding. It's not welcoming. That you can't know the thoughts of God. That you can't know the ways of God. That you can't know the plans of God. But I'm so thankful that Jesus destroyed all of that kind of thinking. So I'm speaking to anyone who's watching. So if you're a believer, it's time to turn away from that kind of thinking. God has given us a glorious standing invitation to know him intimately, to know his thoughts with clarity, 
to walk in his ways with unwavering confidence, to be his children. And I'm going to say something to you, and and I know it it may hit religious ears in a way that's uncomfortable, but God has called all of us to live life on his level. And I know the religious police have just jumped in their cars and the sirens are on because we're not supposed to even say things like that. God's way up high, we're way down low, and that's the way he wants it, wrong. See, it's so important that we discard of these these ideas that separate us from the reality of his love for us and that we embrace the reality of what Christ has done for us. What are you talking about? Well, Jesus, it tells me in Ephesians, which is in the epistles, in the New Testament. You want to find out who you are in Christ, go to the epistles. Okay? It says that God not only raised up his son and seated his son at his right hand far above all principalities, powers, authorities, every name that is to be named in this age or the one to come. But who else did he seat at his right hand? You. He seated us with him at his right hand. Why? We are to be his sons and daughters. We are to be living life on his level. This is not blasphemous. This is the gospel. Isn't that amazing that when you hear the real gospel, it can sound like heresy? Because what you've been listening to is is so un-Jesus-like, is so non-Jesus. You don't need a non-Jesus gospel. You need the gospel Jesus brought, right? So God chose to raise us up. No one asked him to do it. He chose to raise you up. He chose to lift you up, to exalt you, and to sit you down in his right hand with Jesus Christ. He chose to make Jesus your brother. If that's not next level, I don't understand the word, the term. So this next level series we're talking about is about us living life on God's level. Us today, right here, right now, in the midst of this panic and fear, we're confident, fearless, full of light people. That when people meet us, they'll sense the presence of Christ. They'll sense there's something about us that's not of this world, that there's heaven inside of us. And that interacting with us will minister wholeness to them. You see, he's called us up to live life on this earth at his level, to be his sons and daughters, to be conduits of his presence and glory everywhere we go. But even though God has done all of these things for us, understand that we move in the direction of what we're focusing on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I want to say that again. It's it's very simple, but sometimes we get so caught up in the activities and the things that we're focusing on, we don't realize how far we've gone in a certain direction until we run into a wall or something comes across our path and we say, what am I doing here? 
Because we're, we're made in the image of God, he's given, us, he's given us vision, he's given us a heart, he's given us a spirit, he's given us faith, he's given us wisdom, he's given us eyes to see. We move as men and women, as people created in his image, we move in the direction of what we focus on. It doesn't matter what we're focusing on. It doesn't matter if it's good or it's bad, if it's weak or if it's strong, if it's dark or it's light. We just move in that direction. You've got to understand that about yourself. Not because it's God's will, but because that's how we're made. We're made this way. In other words, our attention determines our direction. What we give our attention to uh, determines the direction we travel in. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Well, let's look at First Peter two nine. I do want to read this. First Peter two nine. This is what the Holy Spirit says about anyone who's put their faith in Jesus Christ. Anyone, no matter what state you're from, no matter what NFL team you're rooting for. Can't believe Brady went to the box. Anyway, no matter who, you, who you're rooting for, you got to bear with me. Still, still, still dealing with uh, the drama of the NFL. <laughs> what nation you're from, if you put your faith in Christ, this is what the Holy Spirit says about you. First Peter 2.9. You are a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. Does that sound like a God who wants to, you to stay low? That's a, uh, people treat God like a, a religion, religious tradition treats God like he's insecure and afraid that someone might take his throne from him. Hello. Have you, have you ever been around someone who's insecure and touchy? It's not fun, is it? I grew up in a, in a manipulative atmosphere and you never really knew that what people meant what, what they said. Because there's so much insecurity and manipulation. That's not our father. He's not afraid of losing his throne. It can never be challenged. He's perfect love and he's perfect power. And then, have you ever been around someone who's confident, not, not haughty, not arrogant, who's successful, who's confident, who's at ease with being themselves? It, it empowers you to be yourself. That's our father. He's looking for opportunities to lift you up and to exalt you. He calls you a royal priesthood. That means you're of his family. He's the king, isn't he? He's made us kings and priests. Isn't that what it says in Revelation? A holy nation, a people for God's own possession, his own special people, that you, not him, that you, Right? He's not, he's, he's in the earth in the person of the Holy Spirit, but he's in heaven. The Father's in heaven. Jesus is right hand. The Holy Spirit's here. We are the ones that are to proclaim, to show forth and display the excellencies of him who's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Right? So look what Jesus says in, Math, in Mark chapter 11, verse 22 in the message translation. God invites us to live life on his level. I love how it says it. Embrace this God life. That's what God has for you. See, when you start looking at Jesus and studying the New Testament, you're like, oh, wait a minute, this guy's not crazy. This really is the gospel. I can listen, okay? 
Hallelujah. Jesus invites us to embrace this God life, to really embrace it, and nothing will be too much for you. Verse 24, at the end of verse 24 in the message, it says, Jesus says, include everything as you embrace this God life, and you'll get God's everything. Remember 2 Peter 1 says, God has given to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Everything. He's not held back anything from us. Hallelujah. So getting back to what I was saying about our attention, determining our direction, that we move in the direction of what we're focusing on. Jesus wants us to to freely give us his attention. He doesn't force it. He doesn't mandate it. He asks of us to come to him and to give us, to give him our attention. In in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Why? Because he wants us to move in his direction. What's in his direction? Health, healing, wholeness, light, wisdom, provision, direction, victory, destiny. So in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus is asking for our full attention. And the message says it this way, steep your life in God reality. I like that. God initiative. God provisions. Immerse yourself. Fill your consciousness. Give your full attention to God reality. The reality of what God the Father did for you through his son. Give your full attention to it. Hallelujah. I can feel the Holy Spirit ministering to people right now. I can feel it. Give your full attention to the Holy Spirit in your life right now. Right here. Right now. Right in your living room. Give your full attention to the Holy Spirit, to the reality of what God has done for you, to God initiative, that God loved you first. That's how we know what love is. He loved us. It was his initiative. He decided to seat us with Christ. He decided to send his son. He decided to make his son sin for us. He decided to give us his righteousness. Fill your consciousness with his initiative with the reality of what he's done for you, with his provision that my God shall meet all of your needs according to his provision, not your paycheck. Seep your life in these things. And you have to consciously do us, because listen, all of us have the ability to choose who or what we give our attention to. We all have that ability. Yes, you do. You've got it. We all have that ability. In other words, every one of us has the ability to choose what we focus on. You know, even the the man in Mark chapter 5, we were reading it this past week, part of the one a day Bible reading plan, who when Jesus arrived in the country of the Gadarenes, there was a man who was living in the tombs because he was tormented by thousands of demons. 
You can read it in Mark chapter 5. But what's interesting about this man, as soon as Jesus showed up, even though there was a legion of demons, thousands of demons tormenting this man, this man could still choose to kneel down and worship Jesus. And that's what he did as soon as Jesus showed up. Isn't that amazing? See, the devil wants to tell you you can't make up your mind, that you don't have control over your mind, or that you're losing your mind. Don't listen to that garbage. God has given you control over your mind. You can choose to focus. And you can choose to keep your focus wherever you want it to stay. God has given that to you. And if you're dealing with issues and and, and maybe you've been told that you're uh, bipolar or that you're... uh, what are there so many other names now, uh, ADD, whatever they've labeled you with, don't accept that. That's man's assessment of you, but man didn't create you. And you know, if you've been prescribed something that helps you function, that's fine. You take that, but don't plan on taking that for the rest of your life. Give your attention to Jesus and let him free you from that. Let the the power of the Holy Spirit bring everything back into balance in your brain, in your your nervous system, and in your mind. He will. It's okay if there's something you're taking that's helping you, that's fine. But don't accept that your current uh, circumstance or condition as permanent. So even this man that was exiled from society and living in tombs, can you imagine living in tombs? This man, because of the demons in him, would break chains if they were put on him. Supernatural strength. Even he could choose to bow down and worship Jesus. And you can too. In the midst of demonic oppression, just fall on your knees and worship Jesus. Say, thank you, Jesus, for brand new life. Thank you that I am everything you say I am. Thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit keeping me free and making me strong and causing me to be victorious in every area of my life. Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Now here, hmm. well, verse 34 of Matthew 6. Did we do that one yet? We did 33 in the message. Jesus, again, he says, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Wow. More than anything, God wants your attention. Because he understands how we're made. And he knows if you'll give him your attention, that, that that is giving him liberty to move in your life and on your behalf. So give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And I like that word attention. I looked it up in the dictionary. I want to I share with you some of the, the, the definitions of it. In other words, um, Observe, observe God with all of your mental faculties. Concentrate on the reality of God. Concentrate on the initiative and provision of God. Give deliberate thought to God. Give Him your thoughts deliberately. Heed and be mindful of God reality, God initiative, and God provisions. Study, investigate, Be aware of, notice, 
God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Give your entire attention to. Give significance to God. Is God significance? Well, of course. But you and your own environment, you have to choose to give him his rightful significance. Praise and worship, right? That's why we do it. When we open our mouths and say, hallelujah, Lord, we worship you and praise you, what are we doing? We're we're giving God our attention. We're we're giving him the significance he's worthy of. We're telling our mind, our emotions, we're telling our being that God is the most significant one there is. Worship him. Hallelujah. The word attention actually, if you, if you study the root word, it comes from attendare, the Latin, which means to stretch. <laughs> to apply your mind and your energy to something so that you begin to stretch. Hallelujah. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Hallelujah. What's he saying to you right now? Why? God wants you to expand and increase, increase, to stretch, to grow. He wants every gift inside of you to unfold and to blossom and to flourish. As you give your attention to him, stretching takes place. Expansion, increase. Hallelujah. See, we, 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 we talk about it regularly at Highway Church. It's important to understand that, that you are a spirit and you have a soul and you're living in a body. There are three parts to who you are. I'm just listening on the inside. Yes. God is so good. Yes, Hallelujah. I, I believe there, there is someone being ministered right now in, in their mind. Someone who's, who's watching with us and that your mind is being touched right now. That years of, of troubled thought life, mental activity is, is, is being changed right now. is being broken right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for sound minds, for peace of mind, for fully functioning, alert minds. But it's important to understand how we're made that there are three parts to our being. We're a spirit. That's really who you are. You're a spirit. You have a soul. Your soul consists of your mind, your will, and your emotions. And you're living in a body. And even though your spirit is the most powerful part of you, your mind is so important. Because your mind is the access point. Or your mind is the passageway between your spirit and your body. Your mind is not only the passageway between your spirit and your body, your mind is the passageway or the access point between the spirit realm and the natural realm. Now hear me and stay with me. We're going to look at some scriptures here. Your mind was made to be subject to your spirit. If your mind is not subject to your spirit, other spirits will come along to, to, to try and exercise their strength over your mind. This is not space age, fortune telling, 
weird stuff. I'm talking about you as a being living in planet Earth. There are spirits of darkness that would love to have control of your mind, but they can't have it. You have control of your mind. But listen to me, if your spirit has not been born again, see, your mind needs a new spirit to take control of it. That's why when you put your faith in Christ, your spirit is made new. And as you meditate in the word of God and learn who you are, your spirit begins to gain the ascendancy over your mind. So many The vast majority of believers are living their Christian life with their mind, their intellect, their soul leading the way instead of their spirit. And you will never fulfill your destiny that way. They're afraid to talk about spiritual things because their church doesn't understand them. They haven't been taught about them from the scriptures. And they're following God with their natural mind. And and messages like this can really challenge you and even make you want to turn off what you're hearing. And I'm inviting you to walk in the spirit by letting your recreated spirit gain the ascendancy over your natural mind. This is what we're called to. This is the next level life. This is living life on God's level where our spirit is leading us and not our natural reasonings. All right? So when not only is our spirit made new, but the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. When we put our faith in Christ. So now our mind can take its rightful place. Look at Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 in the Amplified. I'll read it in the Amplified. You can look in whatever translation you've got at home. We're talking about living life on God's level, bringing our mind under the subjection of our spirit. It's time to walk in the spirit. Time to walk in the spirit, body of Christ. Time to forsake man's natural philosophies and reasonings and embrace the full power of the Holy Spirit. The church doesn't need another philosophy. The world doesn't need another philosophy. The world needs the presence of God. Isaiah 26, verse 3 in the Amplified, this is what will happen when you give God your entire attention. Okay? This is, everything Jesus asks of is not for his benefit, it's for yours. When he says, seek first the kingdom of God, steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God, give your entire attention to God. He's not trying to to get something from you, he's all set. He wants to bless you. Everything that God does is for your benefit. So Isaiah 26, 3 tells us the results of giving him our entire attention. You, God, you will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant shalom. In the Hebrew, it says in shalom, shalom, double. It says it twice. What is shalom? Wholeness, prosperity, well-being. You will keep him in wholeness, prosperity, and well-being, wholeness, prosperity, and well-being. Whose attention is given to you, whose focus is on you, whose mind. See, God knows how we work. All of the glorious things he's done for us will go unexperienced if we don't give him our mind, if we don't focus our attention on him. 
And this is what happened is so many, uh, there's been so many wrong things said about him and so many religious ideas taught, but our mind hasn't been on him. And then these things, we don't experience the things of God or things don't go the way they should go. And then we come up with another doctrine trying to explain why that did or didn't happen instead of giving Jesus our attention and letting him set us free. You'll guard him. You'll keep him perfectly well. Perfectly whole. Perfectly prosperous. Whose mind, both its inclination and its character, is stayed on you. I can't be stressed and keep my mind on God at the same time. Can't happen. By the same token, I can't keep my mind stayed on God and be stressed. You don't mind if I preach to myself, do you? Because that's exactly what I'm doing. I can't keep my mind on him and stay stressed. Impossible. Why? Because if my mind's on him, what happens? Peace, wholeness, prosperity. Whose mind is stayed So your mind has a permanent gear. Jesus. Come on, make the shift this morning. Pop the clutch. Put Jesus. Put your mind in Jesus' gear. Leave it there. Why? Because when I give God my mind, that means I'm committing myself to him. I'm leaning on him. I'm hoping confidently in him. Hallelujah. Verse 4 says, so trust in the Lord. Give him your mind. Give him your attention. Commit yourself to him. Lean on him. Hope confidently in him all the time. So forever is, right? Why? For the Lord is an everlasting rock, the rock of ages. And you'll see this over and over again in the ministry of Jesus where he he, he speaks to us about our attention and invites us to not fear, but to believe him. Let's look at this in Mark chapter 5. Be not afraid, only believe. Why? Because what is it when we put our faith in God? It means we're giving God our attention. We're taking our attention off of what's going on around us and we're putting our attention on the one who made us. And as a result, fear loses its power in our lives and God gains the ascendancy in our lives. So in Mark chapter 5, we're not going to read it for time's sake. There's someone else, somewhere else I want to get to before we finish this uh, live stream. You're still there, right? That lazy boy's not too comfortable, is it? Why don't you recline it and, and raise it up a couple times? Just move it around a little bit. Get up. Slap some high fives around the room. Come on. Well, yeah, hair fives, right? <laughs> Don't touch the people in your house. <laughs> Hallelujah. Mark chapter 5. Now, we won't read the whole thing. We're going to get to verse 36, but let's get a summary. You can read it later. What's happened here? A ruler of the synagogue, a leader of the church, Jairus has come to Jesus because his daughter is at the point of death. She hasn't died yet. And he needs, he needs God to turn this thing around. 
So he comes to Jesus, and Jesus said, I'll come, and I'll come. He just starts going to Jairus' house, ready to minister life and healing to his daughter. But it's not a straight shot. In the midst of that, there are people thronging, crowds just thronging Jesus. Just, just all around him. And in the midst of that throng, there's one woman who's been suffering for 12 years, but she heard about Jesus and she's determined. She's been saying to herself, if I touch his clothes, I'll be made well. She touches him. She receives wholeness in her body. And this is all happening as you imagine from Jairus's point of view, he's like, come on, let's get to my house. My daughter needs healing. Let's get to my house. And there's a, they're not moving fast. They can't go fast because there's a throng of people around. And then Jesus stops and ministers to a woman. And, he, and then in the midst of all of this, as he's trying to keep, Jairus is trying to stay calm, and, and, and someone from Jairus' house comes and says, your daughter's dead. Don't bother him anymore. Don't bother Jesus anymore. And I want you to see verse 36, and this is so important. Maybe the f- most important two words of the first two. As soon, or the first three, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken. What was the word that was spoken to Jairus? Your daughter is dead. That's a word of finality. That's a word of of defeat. That's a word that it's over. As soon as Jesus, the author of life, the one who has no limitations, the one who can do all things, the one who is nothing is impossible, as soon as he hears this death word, this dark word, someone trying to slam the lid shut, on what God's about to do. As soon as Jesus hears this word spoken, he says to Jairus, not to the crowd, he says, be not afraid. Only believe. Give God your entire attention. And it's so important how you respond as soon as a word of fear or defeat is spoken to you. Not, not the next day. As soon as darkness knocks on your door, you choose to respond with the words of Christ. As soon. And that's how you get the, the, the ascendancy on that thing. You don't entertain it. You don't mull it over in your mind for 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes, a day or two, a week, a month. Some have molded over for years. As soon as any thought, word, circumstance approaches your life that is contrary to who you are in Christ and what he's done for you, you speak what God says about you. And you gain the ascendancy of it. Now, I love how Jesus said it. He said, be not afraid, only believe. The Passion Translation says this. But Jesus refused to listen to what they were told. Can you put that up there? There you go. Jesus refused to listen to the word that was spoken to Jairus. Your daughter's dead. What's wrong with Jesus? He's greater than death. He defeated death. Before the foundation of the world, the lamb was slain. He refused to listen to what they were told and said to the Jewish official, don't yield to fear. Don't yield to fear. 
to anyone within the sound of my voice, don't yield to fear. Don't yield to fear. Don't yield to fear. Refuse to yield to fear. Your life depends on it. There's nothing positive that will come from you yielding to fear. Everything about fear is wrong. Everything about it. There's nothing Jesus about fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear. Why? Because he doesn't have any. What has he given us? Power, love, and a sound mind. Don't yield to fear. All you need to do is keep on believing. Just keep your focus on me. Give me, keep your attention in my direction. Right? We go in the direction of what we're focusing on. So I keep my focus on Jesus and I move in his direction. Right? I walk, on the, I walk on the path he's prepared for me. I live the good life he's prearranged and made ready for me to live. Ephesians 2.10. So now this is interesting. So the fact that he says, be not afraid or don't yield to fear, means fear is present. Right? What did David say in Psalm 56.3? Let's take a look at that. So it's not about trying to avoid fear. Because fear will come to all of us. And this is not the last time. Coronavirus is one thing. There will be others. That's just the nature of the world we're living in. It doesn't move us. It doesn't, doesn't deter us. It doesn't keep us from moving forward. David said in Psalm 56.3, When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. So David didn't say, I'm never going to be afraid, right? That's not the key. The key is that when fear comes, I choose not to yield to it. You see the difference? All of us deal with fear. Fear comes to all of our lives. The, the, The goal is not to avoid it. But when we're afraid, we choose never to yield to fear. We choose never to focus on fear. We choose never to give our attention to fear. We choose to never let fear dominate our thinking or move us to action. Instead, what do we do? What's David saying? Instead of of letting fear... uh, Move me to action. I'm going to put my trust in you and my trust in God, whose word I praise. In God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? Hallelujah. So let's get back to this be not afraid, only believe. Believe what, Jesus? God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Believe in what? Believe in the nature of your father, the character of your father. Believe that his will was revealed to you through Jesus Christ, life and life abundantly. Believe that it's God's will to heal your daughter. How can you say that? Jesus showed it. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus revealed to me revealed to you through the written scriptures that it is God's will always to heal. 
Always. Every time. You, you forget your religious tradition and your seminary training and you study the Gospels and Acts. You find one person that Jesus taught that God put that sickness on them to teach something. You find one person that didn't receive healing who put their faith in Jesus. Find one. You can't. It's not in there. So I have a choice to make when I'm studying the scriptures and, and, and I can't support what I believe in the ministry of Jesus. I've either got to continue in my religious tradition out of pride or I've got to throw my religious tradition in the trash and take Jesus at his word. Are you willing, are, are you willing to let go of your pride and embrace the real Jesus? That's really what we're dealing with here. I don't have time for pride in my life because it robs me of intimacy with him. I've got to know him as he is, regardless of what I believed, regardless of what I've been through, regardless of what I've been told. I've got to know him as he is. That's what we mean at Highway by Fresh Hot Jesus, knowing him as he is. So Jesus says, don't listen to fear. Don't accept that word of defeat. Believe that it's God's will to heal your daughter. But Jesus, she's dead. Believe that nothing is impossible with God. It's never too late for a resurrection. It's never too late for you to fulfill your destiny. Why? Because God is perfect in power. And he has a way of taking the last 30 years and, and, and everything that did and didn't happen and causing it all to come together at this point in time. So there you are after the smoke is cleared, standing in the destiny that was prepared for you before you were born. I don't know how he does it, but he's God. Don't be afraid, only believe. Never yield to fear. Believe that God is who he says he is. That he can do what he said he can do. That he loves you like he says he loves you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, we don't got anywhere to go. Can I keep going? Keep going. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Listen to me. When we're talking about faith, faith is never independent. Faith is never independent. It's never alone. It's always placed in someone or something. It's important to understand that. Faith is never an isolated thing over here somewhere. It's always engaged, placed in someone or something. By the same token, fear is never independent. Okay. I hope you're hearing this. Okay. You need this today. You need this. Fear is never independent. It's always placed in someone or something. Don't be afraid, only believe. So what is Jesus asking him? What is he exhorting him to do? Don't Place your confidence in what that man has said. Place it in me. Okay. That's all that faith is. Faith is confidence placed in God. Fear is confidence placed in man. Wow. Or something else. Did you hear that? That's all that faith is. It's you placing your confidence in God. 
Fear is putting your confidence in someone or something else. So fear is believing. It's important to understand that. When he says, do not be afraid, only believe, fear is believing too. But fear is not believing God. Fear is believing the word that someone's spoken over your life. Fear is believing that someone or something in your life is greater than God. Fear is believing somehow you're separated from God and it's too late for you and there's nothing God can do because of all the mistakes you've made. That's what fear is. Fear is believing, but it's not believing in his love for you. It's not believing in what he's done for you. So fear and faith are similar, but the results are the difference between life and death because of where your believing is placed. Now, to put your faith in God, you have to know that he's good. To put your faith in anyone, you have to know the character of that person, right? Let's be very simple here. So if I'm going to have faith in God, I need to know what's he like? How will he respond to me when I come to him? This is why intimacy is so important with him. You see, I know my wife. There is no one on earth that can tell me something about that she did or didn't do something without, I'll know if it's true. I'll know, the, I'll know right away if what they're telling me is true because I know her. I've lived intimately with her for many years. I know her character. It's easy for me to trust her. And I know that's, that can be a hard thing to say because we've been, you know, I, I grew up in an atmosphere that was not trustworthy. But love is trustworthy, real love. And real love is available to you. Yeah. So if I don't know that God has already forgiven me by sending his son, I can't come to him for forgiveness. I can't put my confidence in him to be forgiven. Instead, I'll have to put my confidence in my own efforts, my own track record, my own performance, and what's that going to produce? Condemnation, right? I'm always going to fall short. I can't put my confidence in God to be made well if I don't know it's his will to heal me. This is why preaching the real gospel is so important. When the real gospel is preached, you see how good God really is. That's what we preach at Highway, without apology. We know that religious toes are going to get stepped on, but there's some things that just need to be moved out of the way if you're going to experience Jesus. So when you look to Jesus to get to know the character of God, confidence comes automatically. See, faith is, is not an isolated thing. It's simply a response to the character of the one you're putting your faith in. So when I look at the Gospels and Acts and I study the ministry of Jesus, faith is an automatic response. It's not something I have to try and work up or spend hours of prayer or, or go to church to get. It's a response when I give him my attention. Now, this is the... <laughs> Psalm 
Let's look at that before we get to our final passage. I think we read this maybe last week in the Amplified. But Psalm 91 is so powerful. In verse 14 in the Amplified, it says, because he set his love upon me. In other words, because he's given me his full attention. Therefore, will I deliver him. He's opened the door for me to move on his behalf. I will set him on high because he knows and understands my name. God's name gives us his character. What is the name of Jesus? Healing, salvation, wholeness. That's his name. That's what Yeshua means. Can you imagine teaching that it's not uh, the one whose name's healing? It's not his will to heal? Yikes. That makes zero Jesus sense. Okay? Because he knows and understands my name. In other words, what is, he has a personal knowledge of my character. He has a personal knowledge of my mercy, my love, my kindness. He trusts and relies on me knowing. I will never forsake him. I'll never fail him. No one can talk him out of my character and nature. Now we're going to look at an example of this confidence in the scriptures. I love it. But you see, when you become like that person in Psalm 91, and you have a personal knowledge because you spent time with him, You've studied Jesus in the scriptures. You've discarded wrong believing and replaced it with Jesus believing. You develop this confidence inside and no one can talk you out of it. And what does Daniel eleven thirty two 32 say? Those who know, who are sure and certain of God's character will be strong. And do exploits. Put that up there. Daniel 11. You're good. 32. Not the people who are fearful. But I'm a Christian. I've been going to church for 20 years. Doesn't matter. Do you know him? Well, I am a minister, you know. I'm licensed and ordained. Do you know him? The devil could care less about your certificates and credentials. In the spirit realm, there's only one credential you need, and that's knowing Jesus. And there's no faking it. You either know him, you're either confident in him, or you're confident in something else. Thank you. The people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Let's finish this up. God's called us to live life on his level. He chose to raise us up and seat us at his right hand, to be his sons and daughters, to display his glory through us. Daniel chapter 3. And again, for time's sake, we're just going to move along here. But, but if you're familiar with this account of three young men from Israel who were taken into captivity into Babylon, they were given, not only taken into captivity, they gave them, they gave them different names. Known as, we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the king, Nebuchadnezzar, has uh, set up a decree. He's built a, uh, I forget how tall it was, like 90 feet, uh, uh, probably a, a pretty beautiful, amazing golden idol that he created. 
and he wants his kingdom to worship it. And he, he's made a decree that, that, that his holy band, when they begin playing, the, the royal band, when they begin playing, that everyone's to bow down to this idol that he's made and to worship this idol. And that ever, if anyone does not, that they are to be executed. And we know the story, the, the account, and, and I'm so glad the Bible is not fairy tales. This is a real account of real young men who had confidence in their real God. So the, the one, there, there are those in, in, in this culture who want to see you fall, so they're going to make accusations against you. Oh, wait, I thought we were in Daniel. So there are people in Daniel's culture that want to see godly people fall, so they brought accusations against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they said, they're not doing it, king. And in verse 13, the king is furious. He's in rage and fury, and he commands them to be brought for him. And when I read the Bible, I like to just kind of imagine what this must, must have been like. Right? These three young men, they're young, maybe in their teen years, and their, their, their whole country's been taken captive by a pagan nation. And now this, the king of this nation is, is in rage and fury against them. And he speaks to them. And he pre- presents to them with a scenario. And he said, is it true that you don't serve my gods? You don't worship the golden image which I've set up? And verse 15, he says, now listen. So he presents them with a scenario. And I want to show you how wrongly the character of God has been taught and how the simple scriptures will set you free. So King Nebuchadnezzar gives them a scenario. He says, if you bow down when the music plays, you can go free. All right? If you don't bow down, you get thrown. I'm going to throw you into a fiery furnace. Okay, that's, I'm just summarizing here, but that is the, the option they have. I want you to hear me. Please stay awake. So the king says, if you bow down when the music is played, you're free to go. If you don't bow down, I'm going to have you thrown into a fiery furnace. Can we all agree on that? This is the simple scenario here. I'm going to show you how religion messes this up. All right? So in verse 17, uh, verse 16, they say to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. <laughs> this would be an opportunity to be afraid, right? Wouldn't you say? Sure. Of course. But they're not yielding to it. We're not careful to answer you. Why? Because their attention's on God, not on, the, on this... Uh, king who's accusing them. Now, verse 17, they say, if it be so, if what be so, if you throw us into the furnace. Are you getting that? Because that's the only threat here, right? There's a threat before them. What's the threat? If they don't bow down, they get thrown into the furnace. So they say, if that be so, if you throw us into the furnace, are you with me? You're going to see why I'm taking time because we've got to break through this religious tradition. If you throw us into the furnace, if it be so, our God, whom we serve, might help us. No, no. Know what they said. Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. That's impossible. 
All things are possible. Your daughter's dead. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Our God is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and He will deliver us. Did we just read that verse again? If you throw us into the furnace, our God is going to deliver us. He's able, He's willing, and that's exactly what He'll do. Now, in the Hebrew, this is where we got to wake up. In the very next verse, in verse 18 in the Hebrew, it says, but if not. If not what? If you don't throw us in the furnace. Do you see that? Yes. It's going to take, I, I got to take time. I'm sorry. Religion will cripple you. You'll have translation that says, if God doesn't deliver us. That's not in the Hebrew. That's not in the scriptures. That makes zero sense. He says, if, in verse 17, if you throw us into the furnace, our God is able, he will deliver us. If not, if you don't throw us in the furnace, Mm -hmm. we're still not going to worship your gods. We're still not going to do what you're commanding us to do. Can you see the simplicity of that? That's what the Bible teaches. But somewhere along the line, some translators inserted some religious tradition in there and said, but if God doesn't deliver us, that's never an option for God. The Hebrew, the scriptures say, if not, if you don't throw us into the furnace. And boy, I can't tell you how many messages I've heard about. Well, if he doesn't deliver you, you're still praising. Listen, that's good. It's good that that we have a commitment to praise God no matter what. And I'm there. I'm with you. But it's not good to think that if he doesn't deliver you, that's not God. That's not our Father. He wants you to be sure and to be certain to know him. And the only way you're going to get to know him if you just push that wrong thinking aside and embrace the real Jesus. There's no such thing as God not delivering you. It's, it's, there's, it's just not possible. He doesn't know how to not deliver you. That's who he is. That's his name. That's his nature. That's his character. That's what he does. He delivers. He heals. And you can be 100% sure of it no matter who's accusing you, no matter who's threatening you. It's time to know your God. It's time to be strong. It's time to do exploits. It's time to move forward and boldly declare that my God is able, my God is willing, and that's exactly what he's going to do in my life. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Preach my notes right off the pulpit. (laughs) Last verse, Romans 9, 37 and 39. 37 through 39 in the New Century Version. But in all these things, no matter what's going on around us, we have full victory. Hallelujah. How? Through God. Why? Because he always delivers. He's always on. He's never off. He's always yes. He's never no. That's right. Come on. This is the message we preach, Paul said. Because Jesus, Jesus preached yes. We don't preach yes and no. We preach God is yes. yes. And every promise that he's made is yes and amen. And that's what we preach here. In all these things, we have full victory through God who showed his love for us. Message translation, none of this phases us because Jesus loves us. 
I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, I ask you to minister right now to every listener. Minister right now. I speak healing to everyone within the sound of my voice. Deliverance, because that's your character. Because that's your name. That's your nature. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.